Welcome to the Brain Over Binge podcast, where you learn a simple brain-based approach to ending binge eating. If you're a regular listener, you know that in the simple brain-based approach that I share here, there are two recovery goals, really to help you stay focused on exactly what you need to do to end the binge eating habit. And to those who may be new to the show, those two goals are dismissing the urges to binge and eating adequately. In my free ebook, which you can find in the show notes, I take you through learning how to dismiss the binge urges. I've also talked about dismissing urges and eating adequately in several episodes on the podcast. And when it comes to eating adequately, I feel like it's a big topic. And there's so many different opinions and there's so many different options out there about how to eat. And how you eat, I feel like, is very individual. There's no one set of guidelines that works for everyone. And your eating habits may end up very different from someone else's. It's all about deciding what's best for your unique body and lifestyle and what's also best for your mental health as well. Today on the show, I have a wonderful guest to share her ideas and suggestions surrounding learning how to eat in a normal way. My guest is Jen Hand, who's a food and body image coach. She's the creator of the Normal Eaters Club, and she's the founder of JenHand.com. She helps women transform their relationship with food, fall in love with their bodies, and, well, become one of those normal eaters. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here, and I love your podcast so much. Awesome. I'm so excited for everyone just to hear your take on learning how to eat in a normal way because it's something that I feel like so many people have questions about. And before we dive into that, could you please tell the listeners just a little about your own personal history and why you do the work you do in the world? So my work that I'm doing now is really based on my own journey and the inspiration came from my own struggle. So I battled my weight and body and food for many, many years and swung wildly between the extremes of binging and consuming thousands and thousands of calories to the other side of restricting and taking diet pills and trying to be really rigid and follow a diet. So my own battle over the years sort of began to swing less from the extremes and more towards a point of balance. And when I, I don't want to say reach that point of balance because balance is sort of, you know, a lifelong process, but uh, I realized probably about five or six years ago that there must be other women in the world who struggle with this. And I started blogging and it kind of just took off from there. And I think there are women who don't necessarily have a full-blown eating disorder, but who really struggle day to day with what am I supposed to eat? I can't stop binging. It gets to the end of the day and I can't stop eating and then want to diet and restrict. So that was really my inspiration to help other women who were struggling with what I had struggled with. That's awesome that you've just used your own journey to then reach out. And it is amazing how many people struggle with this. I mean, I was surprised to hear that as well when I started reaching out and sharing my own story. I mean, I knew there were a lot, but it's just overwhelming when you just look at how many women struggle with this on a day-to-day basis. And like you said, it's not that full-blown binging a lot of times. It's just the constant battle with dieting and overeating. And just there's a whole spectrum of what people struggle with. And I just want to get your opinion on this this idea of normal eating. I mean, normal eating, it seems like it's a big topic, but it also seems like it should be so simple. You know, we're human. We should know how to eat. And I know there's not one single definition of normal eating, but could you kind of explain what you believe normal eating to be, like how you see it and how you teach it? Yeah. So I I definitely have sort of a framework that I use. And I loved what you said in the beginning about there not being a specific guideline, a specific thing, rule, method that you follow. It really is so individual. And I think that for me is the biggest piece of normal eating. And 
you know, you're right. It's like, oh, shouldn't it be really simple? It's just food. It's just eating. And, you know, we just create these meals. But in reality, there's so much more that goes into the food, the mental, emotional, spiritual sides of ourselves. And so for me, being normal and normal is always in quotes, you know, but being normal around food means that you let go of what society tells you, of what a book tells you, of what a program tells you, and learn how to listen to the wisdom in your body, your own body's messages and signals. And of course, hunger and fullness plays a role in that. And we also sometimes have cake when we're not hungry, you know? So it's really finding that balance of you're not following a program, but you're not just saying, screw it, I'm going to have whatever I want. You find this delicate balance of eating when you're hungry, honoring your fullness, and also allowing food to bring you pleasure, having its sort of correct role in your life and not emotionally eating or using food as a default when, when life gets hard. That makes sense. I love that you talk about it being individual and talk about, you know, there not being a strict set of rules around it and using your own body to kind of determine what's best for you instead of, you know, a lot of people are very almost addicted to following books and rules and what the experts say. And while all that, you know, we can learn things from it, it all comes down to what feels best for us and not just physically. I think also, like you said, emotionally, spiritually, like there has to be a balance there. You know, if you go through your life so rigid, that creates a lot of stress and that's not healthy either. So I find that people who I work with who've been binge eating for many years, they they hear ideas about normal eating and yeah, it sounds great to be able to be flexible, but they just don't even know where to start because they've been so imbalanced or so rigid or binging. So what do you think are some first steps that you think someone could take if they feel overwhelmed and they just don't know how to start with normal eating? So in what I teach, I actually break it down into five stages. So, and, and I think everyone begins exactly what you're talking about. We're so confused about what to do, the next step to take, because there's 15,000 things that you Google, how do I be normal around food or how do I stop dieting? And there's like, you know, 15 million suggestions. So it's, we get overwhelmed and just confused about, okay, well, what exactly are we supposed to do? So I think for me, breaking it down into specific stages helps to focus on, okay, here in this stage, here's what you can focus on. And of course, again, that's not rigid and not, you have to follow this exactly, but it gives you a benchmark. And where I like to start everyone is eating regularly and often. So a lot of times what happens when we're binging, you know, we binge and then the next day we're like, all right, I'm going to be really good. I'm going to be really healthy, or I'm not going to eat a lot. And, you know, we kind of err on the other side to consuming as few calories as possible. And so we we just oscillate between these extremes and never find this regular norm in our bodies. And the amazing thing about our bodies is that, and this was such a hard th- concept for me to learn, was that our bodies need fuel. Our bodies want to be fed. You know, we want that regular rhythmic way of eating. And so eating typically every three to four hours and adding protein every time you eat is what I usually start people with just to give them some sort of benchmark foundation to keep in mind when they're figuring out how to eat. Because a lot of times I see with intuitive eating and even from my own journey, like to go from binging and dieting to be like, right, so what does my body want for breakfast? I mean, I had no idea. So it was starting with some sort of benchmark to be like, right, okay, add protein, have some protein with my breakfast. And then, you know, three to four hours later, have some lunch, giving me a sort of rhythm to fall into really helped to not only normalize the body, but biochemically helps your blood sugar come back into balance and helps you feel more even. 
And for me, it's from that place. Like you balance your blood sugar, you balance your body a little bit more, and then you can get into the deeper stuff of hunger and fullness and what foods give you energy and how do they feel in your body and all of the things that we might not be aware of when we're either binging or dieting because we're so out of touch with our bodies. So that's where I I really like to start people just to give them some semblance of focus because it's exactly what you're saying. It's like, okay, I binged. Now what? Now what do I do? And how do I start my day again to feel like I'm coming back into balance or to find a balance if I've never felt that balance before? That's great advice to eat regularly and often. I I love that because, you know, coming from binging and restricting, you can't just expect to jump right into intuitive eating. I mean, some people can do it, but most people's bodies are out of balance. So getting that rhythm, getting the blood sugars back, getting your body just used to processing food at regular intervals, I think it makes a lot of sense. I totally agree with you there. And today you hear a lot about fasting. I'm sure you do in your, with your clients, like intermittent fasting. And, you know, you, you should do that to bring your body back into balance. But I don't, that's probably a whole other topic. But I think that it's so much better to bring your body back into balance by feeding it regularly. Not sure if you want to talk about that any deeper here. My personal opinion on fasting is that for anyone who struggled with food, it can be a huge trigger. And it, it seems simple enough, like, right, I'll just have juice for three days or I'll just have water for a day. But I think what can often happen is it becomes an extreme. And when you go to one extreme, you kind of swing to the other extreme of binging. And it, it's funny. I remember doing, I mean, it's kind of a, a diet fast, but I remember my sister and I in college, we bought the Hollywood diet. It was like a, just a liquid you drank all day. And, and I was in that binge and restrict cycle. And I remember you know, doing it to reset myself. And after a day I was babysitting and I was just, I put the kids to bed and I just like tore through their pantry because it was, it was just that knee jerk reaction to dieting, to not having food, to restricting. It was like, you tell someone you can't have food. It's like, I want the food. And that's how I was. So I really think fasting, especially for someone who struggled with food or binging or dieting, it can be a huge trigger down that diety path again. Yeah. It's just reminding yourself that you need to reset yourself by eating, by giving yourself food, by getting your macronutrients, you know, not by restricting it. And that's just not going to work. I don't think it's advisable for people who struggle with eating disorders. And, you know, it's such a big topic. We can't get into all of that here. But I want to talk about getting in touch with your hunger and fullness. You know, once you're regulated, you do want to rely on hunger and fullness. You know, you don't want to make it a rule. You don't want to make it the hunger and fullness diet or something. But how does hunger and fullness factor into your approach and how you you teach people how to learn to eat normally? So I think hunger and fullness comes a little bit later simply because, well, sometimes people are in touch with hunger and not fullness. So a lot of the women I work with are like, yeah, I know when I'm hungry, but I, I can't discern when I'm full. So that's a great start in honoring that. If people really have no idea of when their body's actually hungry because of the cycle they've been in for so long, I'd say use the clock at first. You know, typically, and as a general rule of thumb, it's like after four hours, we usually want more fuel in our bodies. Our bodies have burned through what we've given it, and it's like, right, feed me again. You know, that's a general rule of thumb. It could be two hours, it could be five hours, but as somewhere to start, four hours is like that end where you're like, you know, my body's needing fuel again. But I always say hunger trumps the clock. If you feel hungry and you had breakfast and an hour later you realize, wow, that really wasn't a satisfying breakfast. I'm really hungry again. You know, honor that. Absolutely. Fullness for me was the more challenging one because I think for me, fullness meant 
a binge full. Fullness meant like I'm so stuffed. I have to unbutton my jeans. I have to lay down. So to relearn how it felt in my body and really guessing a lot of times at first. So I think hunger and fullness a lot of times in the beginning is trial and error of, okay, I think that was full and let me stop there. And maybe you realize yeah, no, two hours later, I'm actually really hungry and that didn't do it. Or 10 minutes after you've done dinner, you're like, nope, I'm, I'm still actually hungry. So it's, I like to think of it as a process of trial and error and getting that feedback. So each time you practice that, you get better and better at hearing for the next time. So it really is, you know, learning, it's like learning a language. You know, if you're learning a different language, let's say Spanish, it's, you don't master it in a week, two weeks, or even a few months, you really immerse yourself in it and practice it. And the more you practice it, the better you get. And all of a sudden, at some point in the journey, it doesn't become something you think about anymore. It just becomes this automatic response of, right, there's my body signaling my fullness or signaling my hunger. But in the beginning, especially for me, I guessed a lot of the times. I was like, I think that's full. I think I'm hungry. And then realizing, oh, nope, that wasn't it. Or yep, that was it. And then kind of remembering that feeling for the next time. Yeah, I really can relate to that. And I always tell people it's better to err on the side of eating when you're hungry than to overthink it and not eat. You know, if you think you're hungry, eat some food. I just like how you explain that and how you explain that it's a process and it's not something that you can expect to master on day one. And I think that coming from a rigid, restrictive mindset where where things are kind of black and white, are you following the diet, are you not? Hunger is more of a ebb and flow. It's more of a process, like you said. So just teaching people to be patient with the process, teaching people to view it in a self-caring way. And then eventually, like you said, you won't have to think about it anymore. It's just you get in the natural flow of things and listening to your body. Yeah. I think one of the most frustrating things on this path is that we want that instant gratification. Like, right, honor your hunger, honor your fullness. Let's get it by next Friday. But it's remembering the big picture of you can practice it. It's, and I don't, I don't even know if it's a skill, but it's, it's like a tuning in, learning how to hear it. And it can take some time. So cutting yourself some slack. If you're like, I don't know if that was it. I think that was it. Or I'm I'm not hearing anything because at first I didn't hear anything either. I was like, I think that's hunger. I think that's fullness. I really don't know because I'd spent so long in following a plan or just straight binging. So I definitely think remembering that big picture view, whereas when you diet, it's like, okay, right, 30 days, I'm doing this, done. But remembering that this is a process. And that's, I know it's so hard to accept because that was one thing I fought for many years, but it really is so true. And I know it's cliche, but it is true. Yeah, it's great advice. And I think one thing that people need to remember is that you're never going to have it perfect for every moment of every day for the rest of your life. You're never going to exactly follow your hunger and exactly follow your fullness at the exact right precise moment. I mean, it's all kind of like we use the word flow. And there are going to be some times when you're hungry and you can't get food right away. There are going to be times that you may overeat and you're a little more full than usual. And just not beating yourself up over that, I think, is really important, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so I want to kind of get into the details of what normal eating may look like, because I think sometimes people need more of a visual or just to kind of see what it could look like for them. So could you maybe tell the listeners, either for you personally, or maybe just give some examples, like what what does it look like to you or to your clients? Yeah, and what's what's funny about this question is that I wrote a blog post sharing just, I was like, you know what, I'm going to share what I eat in a day, like an average day. 
And I got so many questions and comments and people being like, oh, like you actually eat that much. And, you know, if, if I, it was years ago, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, going down that path. But it's for me, a relearning that we are allowed to eat and we are no matter what weight we are, if we have weight to lose, if we don't have weight to lose, we still are allowed to eat. And that was concept for me that was very, very challenging coming from that very rigid mindset of the fewer calories, the better. So typically for breakfast and just running through a typical day, I mean, this isn't every single day, but you know, I, I'm not a huge breakfast person. So I love waking up and having a protein bar because I really like eating something when I wake up. And then usually about two hours later is when I get hungry again and I'll have a piece of toast, some avocado, some scrambled eggs, I've been adding grapefruit lately. For some reason, I've been really into grapefruits lately, but I love having eggs for breakfast in some way because it really keeps me full. It's it's high protein for me and it keeps me going for at least three hours. Three to four hours later, I usually have leftovers from the night before. So whether that's like soup or a sandwich, a salad, some sort of, I eat a lot of chicken. Um, so like in my um, fridge days, lasagna soup. So it's just chicken sausage and and noodles in this big soup. And then usually three to four in the afternoon, I'll have um, a snack, whether that's like half a piece of toast and peanut butter, peanut butter and apples. I eat a lot of peanut butter. So usually it's some sort of form of peanut butter um, on celery or apples or a piece of toast or something like that. And then um, dinner is usually something, a casserole I'll make, you know, fajitas, tacos, something like that. So for me, there's no, like, this is exactly what I eat in a day. But I think the important concept to take away is that I'm actually eating every three to four hours. And again, that looks different for everyone. I'm more of a smaller meal person more frequently. I love not getting overly full, but just having enough to usually last me three, three and a half hours. And I do check in with myself and say, Hey, what am I in the mood for? Or what sounds good? What sounds satisfying? And I try and honor that as best as possible, but every single meal isn't the most satisfying meal of my life. You know, sometimes I get sick of eggs and I'm like, "Eh, I don't really, these are just okay today. But I think it's trying to honor my hunger and fullness and the satisfaction for me is so important because if I'm eating things I really don't like, then I'll want things. I'll find myself wanting to graze or going to the pantry or looking around for some chocolates. So it's like, satisfaction is so tied in to being satiated and not thinking about food until the next meal. I also eat chocolate every day and I would never give that up. So I usually end end my day with some form of chocolate, uh, dark chocolate that I, I love. And of course I do have a bowl of ice cream every now and then, or a muffin or a cookie or pizza. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, have it be, this is exactly what I eat and have it be like, oh, it's so healthy. It's, it's for me allowing myself those things that I want that dessert or that cookie or that piece of cake, but building them into my day. So if I want a muffin or something, I'll have it as like my snack, I'll build it in and get a muffin from the store and I'll have it as, you know, my afternoon snack with a glass of milk or, you know, a handful of nuts or something to add some more protein. And, you know, that's kind of my snack. So I don't know if that helps, um, like getting more into specifics, but I remember for me asking the woman I worked with, like, tell me what you eat, because I was so worried about eating too much or not eating enough or not even knowing what normal looked like that I was like, asked her all the time, like, tell me what you ate today, because it helped me feel more normal around what I was eating. So I hope that helps, but let me know if you need me to clarify. 
Oh, it definitely helps. I think it's honest and it's open. And I think it helps people just realize that it is okay to eat. You know, I remember writing a similar blog post. It was years ago now. And, and people gave the same kind of comments. You really eat that much? I'm like, yeah, I, I do. I eat meals and snacks. And, you know, and it's for people used to reading blog posts about meal plans and restrictive plans. It does seem different just to see a normal woman's day of eating. But the thing is, is the restrictive plans don't work. So you end up actually eating more than a normal day of eating. I try to remind people of that all the time. You know, if you restrict and you binge, that ends up being a lot more than if you just ate normally day after day. So, you know, even though it may seem like a lot, it's actually it's actually less than the binging and, and restricting combined. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And you mentioned things like cookies or pizza. I mean, I had pizza last night with my kids. We're getting a kitchen redone. We don't have any stoves or anything. And we and, and we get pizza even when we do have a kitchen. So <laughs> I can't use that as an excuse. But, um, you know, and I don't really think twice about it. But people that I work with will often judge themselves really harshly for eating something like pizza or like something that they think is not good for them or that might make them gain weight. And, you know, it's hard to get them past that. And I just was hoping you could share some of your thoughts about that. I mean, when people are really self-critical, how do you get them to drop this judgment about every little thing they're putting in their mouths? Criticism is such a big one because it's so insidious because I think often we don't realize we're doing it and then we catch ourselves and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm totally beating myself up for having that second piece of cake. So one big one for me is actually, and I want to give an example to illustrate what I'm talking about, but the self-talk in our head, starting to be really aware of what we're saying to ourselves. So Reese's cups were a big trigger for me when I was binging. And I remember a little bit into my journey of healing and recovery, I sat down with Reese's and put them on a plate. And I was just like, no, I'm going to face this. Like I am going to have these, I'm going to enjoy them. And I'm going to allow myself to have these without having 16 more. And it really was for me, bringing myself back every second, if I needed to, of I'm allowed to have this. I'm allowed to enjoy this. I don't need to criticize myself. I don't need to beat myself up. I'm just like that permission again and again and again to have these and enjoy them because so much of it is the way we're talking to ourselves in our head. And if we can start to change the way we talk to ourselves, and the first step is really catching that, you know, catching when we are being critical, when we are being judgmental, and then shifting it into an affirmation or some some thought, some saying that redirects you to say, hey, wait a minute, I don't have to go down that path of criticism and judgment. I can reframe it to allow myself to give myself permission to let go of the guilt and be in this moment to enjoy it. A lot of times criticizing and beating ourselves up, we think that's the way we change. We think the, if we just like beat ourselves up more, hate our bodies more, that's the way we're going to motivate ourselves to change. And the reality is that never leads to any long-term change. And it's that the softness, the self-compassion, the kindness is what really opens us up to begin to create that behavioral change or the emotional change or the or the reaction we want to have instead of something that we're doing. And to me, if you think about a little kid, of course, there's a time for harshness and firm discipline. But if you think about a kid who's so upset and you lash out and you yell at them and you tell them to stop crying, it's like they kind of contract and close and and don't want to share anything. But if you envelop them in a big hug and you're like, tell me what's wrong, what's going on, why are you so upset? That's when they open up. And it's it's seeing how we can use that on ourselves treating ourselves with love, of being curious about what we're doing, of asking ourselves why we do what we do, instead of that harsh, critical, self-loathing place, it's like that's when we open up enough 
to let the answers come up so that we can then change them. Letting go of the guilt is so important. And just to treat yourself in a way that you're not always criticizing your every little move or every little thing that you eat. And people think if they let that go, then they're just going to let themselves go. But it's kind of the opposite. I find that once you do treat yourself in in a more loving way, then you naturally want to make better choices. And when we talk about normal eating, I know that you and I both don't think it's just, you know, eat whatever you want. Maybe you could talk about that a little as we end here. You know, people get the wrong idea of kind of what it means to allow all foods. They think they're just going to be eating all junk all the time, but that's not the case. Could you maybe speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Oftentimes that can be a knee-jerk reaction to dieting. Like if we've forbidden ourselves to have carbs for three months and at the end of the third month, it's like, all right, I'm going to go back to whatever I was doing. And we just go crazy with carbs. It's that knee-jerk reaction of not having carbs. So I like to think of it as when our bodies settle into a rhythm and we are taking care of ourselves and we are listening to what our body needs and wants, like our body's not going to want ice cream every single meal for the next six months. Like we might think in the beginning, but no, I really love ice cream. I really want ice cream, but I swear to you, if you experiment and you truly allow yourself to have ice cream every single meal, you are going to get sick of it after like either the first day or the second or third day. You're going to be like, yeah, I do not want ice cream because our bodies know. And so I think it's having the courage to get past that fear of, oh my gosh, I'm going to spiral out of control if I let myself have what I want. Because our experience of letting ourselves have what we want is oftentimes a binge. If you can create a new experience around having what you want, including in that honoring your body and honoring your hunger and fullness and letting go of food rules and taking care of yourself, like that's all lumped in together to finding this norm around food. So for me, it really is the two extremes of I'm rigidly following a diet or screw it, I'm having what I want. It's neither of those. So it's finding this new way. Well, maybe you've had it in the past. Maybe you've had a space where you've felt normal around food, but it's not the diet. It's not the binge. It's this new experience, this new relationship we have that we're really creating and finding out and discovering instead of finding something in our past of like, right, when I was binging, that was eating what I want. So that's what I'm going to do. It's like, no, let's let go of that to create this new way of being around food that includes all these different concepts and all these different ideas. But it's like you forging that new relationship of how does it look for you? And I, I really do think sometimes, and again, I think little kids are such a good example of, you know, they've had a piece of cake. Maybe you give them a little tiny piece of another one and you're like, you know what? You've had enough, honey. And it's like, we can use that same thing with ourselves, having enough, that concept. Okay. It's not restriction. It's a way to take care of ourselves. You know, we don't need six pieces of cake. We can have one, maybe two and let that be enough. So I think that's also a part of that gentle way that we take care of ourselves, like you're talking about, and including that in the normal eating too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a great way to sort of wrap up today because it gives you an overall picture of, of what you're talking about when you talk about normal eating. And I think this episode will be very helpful for people who just aren't really sure how to eat normally. You know, they're working on stopping binging, working on dismissing those urges to binge, but not really being able to figure out the eating adequately part. And I know that your ideas will just be very helpful and useful and practical for people. So now we have some links in the show notes to learn more about the work that Jen does. But Jen, can you share just how the listeners can get in touch with you and learn more about your work? 
Yeah. So best way to reach me is on my website at jenhan.com, J-E-N-N-H-A-N-D. And there's tons of blogs, resources, videos, lots of stuff. And if you want to get in touch, you can comment or, or fill out the contact me form. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to say while you were talking that remembering that the concept of normal eating changes as we change. So how I eat now looks very different than how I ate, you know, two years ago or even five years ago, because it evolves as we get to know ourselves better. So I think hoping that that last piece of advice gives you a little bit more compassion with yourself as you are trying to figure out, okay, well, how does normal look for me? Remember that it can always change. You know, you don't get there and stay there. It's like, right. My situation changed, my body changes, my life changes, and my food changes with it. Yes, definitely a great final thought. So Jen, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time to listen today. And I hope you'll join me again soon. For now, this is Catherine encouraging you and reminding you that you have the power to change your brain and live a binge-free life. The Brain Over Binge podcast is produced and recorded by Brain Over Binge Recovery Coaching, LLC. All work is copyrighted by Brain Over Binge Recovery Coaching, LLC, and all rights are reserved. As a disclaimer, the hosts of the Brain Over Binge podcast are not professional counselors or licensed healthcare providers, and this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or any form of professional therapy. Eating disorders can have serious health consequences, and you are strongly advised to seek medical attention for matters relating to your health. Please get help when you need it, and good luck on your journey.